0: Section 27s are a mystery to most who don't do real estate every day. And they are an important part of the buying and selling process. Today we will find out why we need them and how we can benefit from them. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right is making inroads into the podcast community, and we would like to thank all our loyal listeners for watching us grow and being there for us. If you would like to support us more, go to the Podbean Patreon site, or simply rate and review us on your favourite podcast platform. A big thank you to everyone. Christine Walsh is a well respected member of the conveyancing fraternity. Her career spans more than 28 years in the legal profession, including 18 years in her own business. She's the director of Walsh Conveyancing in Somerville and prides herself on providing all of her clients with a supportive, informed, warm and fuzzy conveyancing experience when people buy, sell, and transfer real estate within the state of Victoria. Welcome, Chris. Yay. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you, Sue. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. Um, now, we last saw you back in Episode 20 when we had the first wave of COVID-19. So how have you found the real estate industry in terms of transactions since then?
1: Well, when we had the first wave of COVID-19, I found that everyone seemed to panic. We saw up 12 rolls on the hands everything stopped. Yeah. There was uncertainty everywhere. Um, this yeah. second wave, I think, has been a little bit more relaxed and um, people are doing what needs to be done. People are selling because they need to, um, or their um, price is right. People are buying because interest rates are low, money's cheap, and those with a bit of equity seem to be um, investing in property now. So real estate's definitely moving. Uh, maybe not the volumes we've seen in the past, but if you speak to most conveyances, uh, they'll all say, yes, we're definitely busy. Um, A little bit quieter than normal, but we're definitely busy. Definitely.
0: Now, getting into the questions, uh, we're talking about Section 27. Now, what is a Section 27?
1: Sure thing. So, Section 27 is um, a statement that's given by a vendor to a purchaser under Section 27 of the Land Act. It discloses information about money secured by the property being sold and whether or not a caveat encumbrance is the title. Yeah. I now, mean, when the vendor serves a Section 27 on the purchaser, the purchaser has 28 days from the date of service to lodge an objection to release of the deposit money. Yeah. The purchaser's representative will initially lodge an objection to release of the deposit until they're satisfied that there's no more than 80% of the purchase price owing against the property, that the vendor's not in default in any terms of their mortgage nor are their arrears, and the contract also needs to be unconditional in all respects before the deposit's released. The vendor's mortgagee uh, also needs to provide a letter um, confirming the particulars of the mortgage and confirming that there is no default for arrears before the uh, purchaser's conveyance will authorise release.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Why was the Section 27 created? Do you know why that was that happened? Yeah?
1: <laughs> Not quite. Well, my theory is that um, a Section 27 statement allows a vendor to have access to the deposit monies paid by the purchaser at or prior to settlement. So the deposit is paid to the, uh, by the purchaser to the selling agent's trust account and remains in there until such time as the deposit is released or settlement has occurred. Um, so it is to facilitate um, early release of the deposit prior to settlement. Um, It should be noted, however, that the Section 27 only applies where a cash deposit is paid. So if a purchaser pays a deposit by way of a security deposit bond or a bank guarantee, the Section 27 process doesn't come into play because there is no formal deposit to be released. So it is only applicable to where a cash deposit is paid and it is purely for the benefit of the vendor to have access to the deposit monies a
0: settlement yeah so essentially a vendor um can access that money within you know it'll be 28 days of the sale um so that they can go and purchase a new property absolutely that was probably why it was created so um that circle of transactions can continue and they're not stuck going i've sold my house but i can't afford the deposit for the new house because I haven't
1: got any money because it's all tied up. Absolutely. And in, in most instances, people need the deposit released from their sale to be able to pay it on a purchase. Um, yeah. Other instances that um, a vendor may need to have their deposit um, released is that they can secure a rental property, pay a bond, um, pay removal yeah. fees to get out of their house so the settlement occurs on time. So it, it right. is a financial cash flow scenario that helps the vendor out of that property and facilitates it providing there's no default or arrear
0: yeah yeah which is what we all need <laughs> when we get that stage of life don't we Absolutely. Um, yeah now who is supposed to give us the section 27
1: to sign sure so the section 27 is purely for the benefit of the vendor, as we've just discussed, uh, the vendor's representative, so their conveyancer or solicitor, will initiate service of the Section 27 um, in the event that the vendor wants or needs deposit release prior to settlement. Um, As a matter of course, I prepare a Section 27 at the time I prepare initial sale documentation for my clients, which gives them the best opportunity of having the deposit released prior to settlement. So a Section 27 is prepared sent out to my clients to fill in and complete and sign and I hold that on file so that the minute a signed contract comes in I can actually serve that section 27, start that 28-day period um, yeah. for their purchase to lodge their objection um, with the view to have the deposit released as quickly as possible for my client. So the sooner you serve it, the sooner the deposit gets released. Now depending on the yeah. settlement period, sometimes the settlement periods are 30, 30 days. So in that yeah. sort of so there's, no there's no point in serving the section twenty seven. Um, mm-hmm. but from the release of deposit the agents also are paid their commission and selling expenses. So it's often beneficial for them to get involved in facilitating that early release of deposit as well.
0: Yeah. For a buyer, what's the advantages for them to sign a section
1: twenty seven? Well, technically, early release of the deposit has no advantage whatsoever to the purchaser and often this can create yeah. stress to the purchaser because the purchaser thinks, oh my goodness, the deposit's been released, I've got no control of that money. But we do have to have a legitimate objection to release the deposit. So if there's no legitimate objection and all the terms of the Section 27 have been satisfied, the deposit will be released yeah. to the vendor. The... Um, only real advantage that I would suggest there is to the purchaser facilitating early release of the deposit is that if the purchaser wants to negotiate, for example, early access or requires some flexibility or assistance from the vendor moving forward, that um, yeah. early release of the deposit can be seen as a sweetener um, to help the vendor and the purchaser come to agreements that may need to be reached prior to settlement. Uh, access, yeah. you know, if if the purchaser wants access to the garage, three or four days out from settlement to be able to pop some boxes in, um, yeah. you know, the fact that they've actually facilitated deposit release might actually work much better for the vendor and them turning around and saying, "Yeah, sure, you can have the garage." But also the the
0: the buyer might be interested in like renovating the property before they actually move in so they may want to get some some builders or some architects in just to have a look at the place to work out a few things before they settle absolutely. Um, all those sort of things absolutely so sometimes you do need a sweetener
1: absolutely and money talks and it's really yeah. uh, it really is a tool for um negotiations Um, But there needs to be legitimate objections, um, legitimate grounds of objections by a purchaser to object. Um, But in most cases, we find that um, people are happy to work together to make sure that the transaction runs smoothly.
0: So what would those legitimate objections be?
1: Legitimate objection to release of the deposit would be, for example... Um, where the vendor owes more than 80% of the sale price of the property, Mm -hmm. where they're in arrears or if the uh, mortgage provides for further advances so they can actually um, draw up to a certain amount on their loan, which exceeds potentially the sale price of the property. Um, If there's numerous caveats or mortgages or if the vendors are possibly going through a separation process and there's family court orders and there's complexities um, surrounding it or um, there's generally issues with the property, they can be some legitimate objections. Yeah.
0: So, for instance, it's mainly financial or legal, but if it was something like, you know, we buy this property on the provision that, you know, you fix the leak under the driveway or something like that, and they haven't have seen any progress on that from the outside, could they object there?
1: No, no, um, because it's got to be a legitimate objection within the legislation of okay. the sale of land in that Section 27, and that is that they can't own more than 80% of the um, sale yeah. price, that the contract is unconditional in all respects, yeah. um, and... Yeah, that we've, you've provided a letter from the mortgagee showing that those particulars are true and correct and that there's no arrears or default yeah. currently under the yeah. law. Yeah, it's so, predominantly legal it, and it, financial. It's, yeah, yeah it, it, the, the legislation is quite specific in that these are the grounds in which you have a right to object. Yeah. Uh, anything outside of that is not considered a legitimate objection. Yeah.
0: yeah, but as a buyer, you know, you would be worried that you know, like even though you've released that money, that... It's like, oh, you know, will they actually go through with the actual settlement, you know, knowing that they've already got the money? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Look, I, I have that on a regular basis. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, if, if it's released, I don't have that anymore, you know? I'm like, yeah, but you're buying your house, you know? Yeah. It, it is part of the process. And yeah. they're going to end up with that money anyway. And when the contract's unconditional, we're full the ahead to settlement. So yeah. it's all about working together for what everybody needs to have happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's what you've got to look at as. So yeah, so yeah. So we'll have a short break and come back with more from Chris Walsh from Walsh Complainsing to find out the advantages for the section twenty seven for the bend door. You're listening to Real Estate Right. I'm Sue Langata and I'm on today with Chris Walsh from Walsh Conveyancing talking about Section 27s and how they can ease the stress of buying and selling a property. So, Chris, for a vendor or a seller, they're the same term but different words, um, what are the advantages for the vendors to sign a Section 27?
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So the, the advantages are that the vendor can have access to release of the deposit. For settlement. Yeah. Um, as we've touched on previously, there are um, things that the vendor needs to prove um, in order for that process to be mm-hmm. um, activated. Um, for the vendor to have access to the deposit, it enables them to secure another property, to be mm-hmm. able to pay the deposit on the purchase of another property, to secure a rental property and pay a bond, to pay removal's costs, and potentially where clients are actually in the position that they're forced to sell it helps them relieve some financial strain. If if it's very close to 80% of the sale price as to what they owe, um, we can often negotiate that that deposit release is actually paid straight onto the mortgage to be able to relieve some of that financial strain for the vendor. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really an important part of the process that they do have the opportunity to have access to release of the deposit before settlement. Um, in many instances, clients don't want access to the deposit. They're, they're quite happy to have all sale proceeds due at settlement and therefore we yeah. don't need to activate that process. But in most instances, and as a matter of course, as soon as that Section 27 is signed and I hold it on my file, I'm serving that on the purchases to give my clients the best opportunity to have access to that money prior to settlement.
0: And that's what all conveyancers and solicitors should be doing. They should be making sure that that's done in a timely fashion.
1: Absolutely, and I think there are, um, I've seen instances uh, where agents will have the Section 27 signed on the day of an auction or the same time as the contract and sale process starts, which is not probably the best course of action um, because the purchaser's conveyance hasn't had an opportunity to review any of the documents at that point in time. Okay. The purchaser doesn't generally know what they're signing um, yeah. but it does have a direct impact on the vendor and the agent being able to facilitate deposit release. So uh, I'd prefer that it runs the process through the conveyancer or solicitor um, yeah. as a separate process
0: to the signing of the contract under the section 32. Yeah. And, yeah, as you said, most buyers wouldn't have a clue that, you know, their solicitors should be looking or their commands should be looking through the documents prior to that. And and that obviously will add an extra, you know, three or four days to the actual process. It won't be 28 days. It'll be like 32 days or something. But um, you're better off for your own safety net
1: to make sure that it's done prior. Absolutely. So don't be bullied. No, that's right. The purchaser needs to do their due diligence and it is a process and it's it's important that the purchaser gets the opportunity to make their inquiries about the property, read the documents that have been prepared by the vendor's conveyancer or solicitor um, and, and see sufficient evidence that there are, Um, grounds to authorize
0: release of the deposit. Yeah. Say, for instance, you are in that situation where you've purchased property, you know, today and you're with, you know, the agent, the owners, you know, you're the buyer and they say, here's your Section 27, just sign this. Is there anything on that Section 27 that says that there's more than 80% owing? Is there anything stating that in the documents? Yeah, so the Section
1: 27 statement, yeah, it, it, look, it's a tricky thing. It, the Section 27 discloses information about yeah. it. So it, it, it kind of, it's one of those documents that you don't want out on public display. A lot of vendors are a little bit funny about actually publicly having yeah. that information there um, and people seeing what yeah. debt levels they have. Um, some people yeah. don't have debt, which is fabulous. Um, but um, in most instances, people have a mortgage. So that section twenty-seven includes information as the amount that's secured by the mortgage, how much have you actually borrowed yeah. to secure this property? And, and what's the what's the current balance of your mortgage that's owing at the moment? Put it down on paper. That that this is all information yeah. in the section twenty-seven. Statement. So you have to say, yeah. I currently owe whatever it is against the property. My interest rate's this. Yeah. No, I'm not in default. Um, no, I don't have a redraw facility or yes, I do have a redraw facility. Um, Yes or no, there may be a caveat registered on the title. So these can all be quite confronting things for a vendor to put forward to a purchaser. Um, But it has to be done. Yeah. (laughs) It has to be done if they want release of the deposit. And this is where it's important. Anyone can put down anything on a piece of paper Um, and... So, hence, that's the reason why we also get that confirmation from the mortgagee, from the vendor's yes. bank, to say, okay, yeah, this is the interest rate, this is what they owe, we can confirm that these are all the yeah. figures. Um, and know that they're not in default, and that letter goes in support of the Section 27 to the purchasers to ultimately release the deposit by yeah. the settlement. Yeah. So there is a fee involved, and in that that process of disclosure is quite confidential. Yeah. Often for for real estate agents, it is a, a, a tool of negotiation, and um, we'll be able to get you this if you do this. And it also means that they get paid when the deposit is also released. So yeah.
0: Well,
1: that's that's that's
0: their uh, ultimate goal is to get Absolutely. paid. Absolutely,
1: and, and that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean though that their contract's unconditional. Um, so, having a Section 27 signed um, at the same time as a contract, for example, can have adverse effects on the purchaser, and it's really not the preferred way of service doing it.
0: Yeah. So, essentially, beware um, not to sign the Section 27 when you sign the contract of sale.
1: Section 32, correct? Yeah. Leave it up to the conveyances okay. or solicitors to run the process correctly so that everybody's
0: yeah. protected. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. After both the vendor and the buyers have signed, how is the money then distributed to the agent and the vendor? The agent generally holds the money, don't they? Yes, that's correct.
1: So where there's an agent involved in the sale process, the agents hold the deposit in their trust account. What happens is where the purchaser has consented to release of the deposit, the signed section 27 is returned to the vendor's conveyancer or solicitor. Um, Yeah. Then that signed section 27 is forwarded together with a letter outlining bank account details to the selling agent to be able to release the balance of deposit. So whatever the deposit is, the agent will take out the commission and selling expenses and transfer the balance of deposit to the vendor's bank account. In the letter that we send to the real estate agent, that outlines the bank account details. The real estate agent often rings us for verification of those bank account details and then the transfer is done. So we okay. get what's called then a copy of the agent's account sales, which sets out the amount of deposit that they've received. It yeah. details all of the selling costs and commissions, and it also details the amount that's transferred to the bank. Okay, so it's a statement of account essentially that's issued by the selling agent once a deposit's released. Yeah. So um, it's it's yeah it's, it's a as I said it's a really great tool. Yeah. But there is a process to it. Yeah, once the deposit's released, um, as I said, the agent gets paid, the vendor's in receipt of those deposit funds. and, and
0: So do you find that after the Section 27's been released, the agent essentially washes their hands off the property? They just go, yeah, well, i got my money. I'm just going to go on to the next. I'm not going to worry about you. Yes, you'll get your keys in a couple of months' time, but, Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you find that or is it becoming a bit more? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um Look, in many instances, real estate agents yeah. are fabulous and will hold their client's hands like I mm. do the whole warm and fuzzy. They'll be there to support their clients right throughout the yeah. conveyancing process. So the vendor will the They'll nurture them through right through to settlement yeah. and then happy days, you know, property is transferred and we're done. In other instances, yes, where deposits are released prior to settlement um, and issues arise in a final inspection, for example, I've had issues where the agents disappear off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. and just throw their hands up in the air and say the conveyances are sorted out. Yes. So that, that is something I've seen happen quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So in many instances where a vendor doesn't necessarily need to have the deposit monies released, Um, we find that agents are the ones that drive the deposit. Yeah. And especially in this climate with COVID and sales being down, uh, everyone wants to be paid and everybody needs to survive, which is totally understandable. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. where a deposit is released, often a real estate agent is done. And and technically, as long as a, a contract is unconditional, they have done their job. Yeah, they have done their-
0: it's it's just more yeah. about you know handing over keys at settlement and that final inspection. Really, that's
1: that's the last of what they need to do. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. So to facilitate the final inspection, and and most agents are great like that. They'll they'll be there for yeah. the client throughout the process. But there are certainly a few yeah. that um, get get their uh, commission covered and bang, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Now the
0: last. Last situation, okay, the last question is what types of situations would it be best not to sign a Section 27?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, obviously we've we've touched on, you know, the legal side of things but um, a vendor, as you said, may not want to sign one but also a purchaser may not want to sign one, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So I think we're acting for a purchaser. Um, the purchaser's conveyancer or solicitor is really going to have a look at what their title Says, mm-hmm. um, and how that marries up with the information that the vendor's conveyancer has provided, and also the bank letter yeah. has provided. Um, if the mortgagee has clearly identified that there's arrears and/or default, uh, there may be a foreclosure, yeah. um, away, things like that. Um, that documentation will be provided. Yeah. Um, so that is certainly an instance in which you would not sign the Section 27, and that is a legitimate objection to release the deposit. Yeah, um, You'd be looking at the caveats and the mortgages registered on title, um, the funds owing. Um, also, uh, if there is a query as to the legitimacy of the title or the capacity of the vendor to enter into a contract mm-hmm. um, or potentially even a fraudulent transaction, which I've been a part of in the past, yeah, um, acting for fraudulent purchases. Um, wow. You know, but there are also fraudulent vendors as well. There are people mm. that try and sell properties from underneath family members, hmm. partners, etc. So, um, if you, if you smell a rat, don't sign and make more inquiries. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, if there's a matrimonial separation and it's really nasty, you certainly get a bit of a general. Feel for things, you know, from the real estate agent when you're first inspecting the property. So, um, if there's ever any doubt or um, hesitation or of any issues or complexities, yeah. then and certainly a reason to sort of slow down the process yeah. and make some more inquiries before you consent to release. Yeah, the
0: and that, and that's another thing too. You can like It, it is twenty eight days. But you can slow down that process. So you may take, you know, a couple of weeks, three, four weeks to sign it. And then it's still going to take 28 days after that to release those deposits, isn't it?
1: Well, it's actually 28 days from the date that the vendor serves the notice on you that you have to deposit. So within that 28-day period, you've got to identify your grounds of objection. Yeah. Um, And if on the 29th day you don't have a legitimate ground of objection and the bank letters being provided and the matters unconditional and all the other boxes are ticked, then the deposit can be released anyway. So okay. you've got that 28-day period to identify if there's any major issues mm. with respect to the deposit being released. Yeah, And and usually that's enough time Yeah, to be I'm able sorry, to say, well, yeah. I know that there's four mortgages registered on the title and a caveat, yeah. you know, don't touch it. Don't. No, no. it's You rely on the vendors. You rely on. Sorry, you conveyances and your solicitors doing their work and, um, and being you know onto it, yeah. um, and reading the documentation appropriately so that they can actually give the best advice to the purchaser as to whether or not they should be signing that document.
0: Yeah, and and the reality is. Y- always ask your real estate agent as many questions as you possibly can through the whole process of buying a property just to work out where you stand, where, you know, what's going to, you know, buy the property, what's going to get the terms that you want, you know,
1: why are things happening? Yeah. And yeah. why, why, why are they selling, you know, what, what's going to help facilitate Deal get across the line. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, the vendor and the purchaser they've engaged their conveyancer or solicitor to guide them through the process and handle the legal aspect of the property transfer. Yeah. So it's really important that clients feel comfortable enough that no question's a silly question. Yeah. I encourage all yeah. of my clients to just shoot me an email if you've got a question you think about it at ten o'clock at night. Shoot me an email. There's a chance I'll be online at that time, but. Otherwise, I may be catching Z's and I'll get back to you in the morning. Well, you might be
0: reading that 627-page
1: document or contract. True, <laughs> true. And, I, and I'll get back to you when I finish that. So it's certainly one of those things that I encourage all my clients, ask questions. Don't feel silly about asking questions. I do this every day of the week. I've been over my 20-odd years of experience. I've seen a lot of situations and I had to handle a lot of situations. You do this... Once or twice in your lifetime, you know, don't feel silly about asking a question. Nothing silly. That um, contract that I read last night, the young lady that I read it for has sent me through an email this morning saying, I have absolutely no idea what any of that means. Could you give me a call? And I said, of course, yeah. I will. I'll give her a call this yeah. afternoon and we'll discuss that 627, page." Okay? Yeah. So it's really important that people feel supported throughout the process, and the deposit release is part of the process that people need to understand. Yeah. It's empowering if people understand what they're signing, yeah. what they're consenting to, and they understand why things are happening, yeah. and I encourage that. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. So thanks so much, Chris, for your amazing expertise in all things in property conveyancing. If you would like to contact Chris to help you with your conveyancing needs, you can call her on 0359 5111 or via email chris at walshconveyancing.com.au. Thanks again, Chris, and we hope to have you on again in 2021.
1: Thank you for having me, Phil. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks. Next week, we have Howie Tran from Find a Mover to talk to us about finding the best removalist for your job when moving house anywhere from the same suburb to across the globe. Moving is a logistical nightmare for some, and Howie will explain what you need to do to look for when you're choosing a removalist. Don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted, written, and produced by me, Sue Langada. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Zoom for our video link. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Real Estate Right on your favorite podcast platform. And if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on this podcast, Email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks again for listening to Real Estate Right.